I'm fine. It's just there's moments where I sound like <clears throat> I'm not even pronounce, pronouncing my words correctly. <laughs> it's like, literally like this gunk is <laughs> blocking my Oh, uh, lovely. More, more throat chakra stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Belgarian and Beyond, a podcast where we talk about all the magical shenanigans and goings on in the world of the Belgarian books. My name is Sandra Turnbull, and I'm here with my partner, Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Sandra. I'm excited <laughs> for today. We're on the end of Pawn of Prophecy. I know, we're into the chapter 21. Our last episode for the Porn of Prophecy, the first book in the Belgariad. So, uh huh. Yeah, I read it last night and I'm kind of just sitting there at the end of it, like, wow, I read this whole book. It was a fun journey, you know? Yep. And I, I didn't even know what the next book was. So I went and looked it up. I'm like, okay. Queen of Sorcery. Order that. Right. Queen of Sorcery. I was looking at the cover. I'm like, hmm, Ooh. I wonder what this is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so, well, let's go straight into Pogara's Cup and catch up on our weeks. Yeah. You go first. Um, so, my cup, if it's possible to have a peacefully sweet type of drink, it's, I would say, like... totally possible? Like, yeah, like a rose tea or something. Oh. oh, I had some of that yesterday. I love the smell of rose. So, it's peacefully sweet... Because I have been extremely just centered, really centered in everything and feeling really connected to the closeness of all of my desires or just like I can feel them right there. Like everything's just about to blossom, you know, and it feels amazing. But going back to like weeks ago when I had made the decision to stop taking any action unless I felt inspired to do so. That literally stopped so much stuff in my life. Like I stopped pursuing that coaching business I was doing, which was the biggest thing. But then other little stuff kind of tied to that, I stopped as well. And so I got pretty good in the flow for a while with, with writing my book. And now what I'm finding is that I get so, I so much enjoy just being, like meditating and being reflective and feeling these desires getting closer and closer to me then I'm finding it really hard to sit down and get the second draft done for my book. Ah. And I'm also postponed, like what I brought up at the very end of last week, this thing working with children and their writing. We mentioned that on the show. We talked about it afterwards. Oh, no, no, no. It was, well, no, I think we recorded it, but yeah, it was at the end of the recording. Yeah, I think we talked about it afterwards. I don't know. Well, it was, it was this thing about I've been feeling called to work with children yep. to help them with their stories and writing and stuff. And I was gonna, I had every intention to like put that out, like start emailing the kids school and stuff. And I just have it. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of dealing with this, like, why, why am I not feeling compelled to actually 
take the steps towards my desires? Am I really just waiting for them to show up? You know, mm-hmm. or so I just been feeling maybe like a little bit too peaceful that <laughs> I'm having trouble getting back. Yeah, I understand that. And there is something to what you say, you know, there are steps in the creative process and releasing your intention out. Like you set an intention you do the work, but then there's a point at which you've got to, you have that release, you know, nothing happens until you toss it out into the universe because that's part of the process. That's part of the cycle. And it's, it's okay. Like you are, you are blossoming. And some flowers take longer to bloom than others. And you will know when you're holding it too long because it will start to get uncomfortable. It won't be this lovely, peaceful feeling that you have. That's a good point, yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, I feel really comfortable right now. I feel really like... And you know what? That's okay. Just being is okay. Yeah. Because when you are in that state, the signals the universe gives you ring loud and clear because you don't have all the other bullshit going on, crowding it out. Right. right. And that's the thing is I have been having so much of that happen. I'm almost kind of like, Hey, I want to keep letting this happen right now. I don't want to do something that's going to push me into a place of anxiety about deadlines or like, what will people think? Or, you know, so um, it's just all happening in its perfect time, sweetheart. Yeah, I suppose so. I'm just so not used to like having this peace, like so much peace. And like that's the thing. You start looking for familiar drama, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. But I'm so thankful. You know, I have some resources I can always turn back to when I start to feel that urge and I'll just go read it. And it brings me right back to like, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Just don't go there. So yep. that's been my like, my like week. Um, but the, the other thing that was really, I don't know what the word is. Like I felt heartbroken, but we lost our pet hamster. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetheart. You know, it's the first time I've ever had a hamster. It was really my daughter's hamster, but I pretty much am the one that took care of him. Yeah, I was of course you would. I was holding him, petting him. I put him in his little ball to run around the house. And so he was supposed to live a few years and he only made it like six months. And it's just so sudden. All of a sudden he just stopped. Mm. One evening he just went downhill and through the night he just passed. And I don't know, the next day I was in tears for half of the day. Alexis took it really hard, my older one, because it was her hamster. Mm. And it's the first time she's lost anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. That's a big lesson. A one. Yeah. But she was, she came back a lot quicker than I did. So I was kind of, why am I taking this so hard? No, no. Kids are just really resilient. <laughs> yeah. So that was the other thing that, that just kind of kept me kind of in this place of peace and yeah. morning. And you know morning that's, that's, that's so beautiful. Like, I know that it's, maybe it's a bit morbid of me. I mean, I'm sure it could, people could interpret it that way, but I think it's beautiful because there are connections there to your stillness. You're releasing really, really big, deep stuff and allowing yourself to just be with that. Like there's so much symbolism there in all of that stuff that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It was a really, 
a moment of growth for the whole family, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's big that's stuff to so go through sad. together. He's sitting right out. I put him in a little his little burial right outside my window here. Yeah. And I know he's just always right there. <laughs> yeah, we have our old cats underneath the little ma the maple tree we've got out the back. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to lose pets, you know. But yeah. that's that's my week in a nutshell <laughs> not quite a nutshell but you know well, no I really like I love that I love that I can almost smell the rose tea you know that's just so ridiculous I love that yeah it's one of my favorites and the rose water you can just like spritz it around yeah. your I used to use that um instead of toner for my makeup mm -hmm. oh that's what I do maybe I'll try and get some more of that yep okay <laughs> my week Yes, your week. Okay, so I wrote sweet and spicy with an exclamation point. Um, I've had a really, really big week. So part of what I'll talk about my week has been kind of comes out of the stuff that I've been going through over the past couple of weeks, you know, the back and forth, the back and forth and the, the reading into and so, so definitely one way and then so definitely the other way that everything every divin divination every kind of prophetic thing that I was sort of doing using for self-inquiry would tell me exactly all the way this way or exactly all the way the other way and it's just it's almost like the universe is saying to was saying to me this is your decision and it could be fine this way and it could be fine that way Mm -hmm. no, no not better or worse just different so I've been doing lots and lots I had to done lots and lots of self-inquiry but it really was it was a case of me digging down into why I was so afraid of things and old fears of being seen of speaking out my opinion you know throat chakra stuff Mm -hmm. so, um, dropping down into my heart and coming from there without worrying about how other people are going to respond without feeling before I even begin like I'm going to have to justify myself because I don't nobody has to listen to anything I say mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that I don't get to say what my truths are and so I've just done all of this excavating and kind of and I feel so light now. It's amazing. And anyway, the end of all of this, well, maybe the beginning of all of this, is that I now have um, a course live and open for enrolments at um, Discover Your Path U, Dip U, we like to call it. Oh, and I'm nice. uh, my first class I'll be teaching is Exploring Personal Spiritual Practice. Seven-week course where I introduce people to several different ways of incorporating different spiritual practices into their days for resilience and relaxation and centering and all those sorts of things. So it's really to help them feel what it looks like because some people just don't have that kind of thing that you and I just do as part of our day, like the meditation or the journaling or the you know, the energy practices or just the sitting and because we have that natural, I think, inclination, the two of us, you know, all that magical stuff. 
Right. Um, and then at the end of the seven weeks, people, I'll, I'll just help people to understand how they can tailor a spiritual practice that works for them and not to be scared of changing it, not to be scared of, you know, understanding that, that they can just flow with that and it doesn't have to be, a, it's not a static thing, like it grows with them and changes right. with them. So that's sort of the right. point of the... Um, of the practice and just to know that like you are the center of anything you do so it's not spring having a spiritual practice is doesn't mean that you have a career that is a spiritual career or you know you're a you're a, a spiritual director or a coach or or some sort of helping professional a spiritual practice is for everybody because it's like just keeping that drop going at the center of the pool that ripples out through everything else in your life it makes everything else easier and flow better and i'm really passionate about you know that personal aspect of all of the, the things so you know i think i've got eft in there and reiki and meditation and grounding and yeah that sounds like really really incredible i think that that's such an important aspect that people overlook a lot but I think there's always an interest in most people. They're just a little bit afraid mm -hmm. of like, I have no idea where to start or they're a little bit afraid of what it might bring up if yeah. they start doing it. Yeah. You know? So I think a course like this is going to be like super amazing for people. It's a nice introduction. Take all the fear out of it. Be really gentle. Just to help people kind of ease into a consistent um, support for themselves. So I'll put a link in the show notes if anyone's interested in checking that out. It'll be something that rolls around every seven weeks. So it'll be an ongoing thing. Nice. Is this separate from the work you were doing with the other people? This is those people. Okay. So it okay. was all, will I, won't I, will I, won't I? Because it's a big commitment. So and, you know. You overcome the fear. Yeah decided to do it so I, I i it really was the last vestiges of this cling clinging you know horror of embarrassing myself or um being put in a situation where i needed to defend my position or just sounding stupid or being made to feel like i'm stupid for believing what i believe or coming from the point of view that i'm coming from which has happened a lot over my life. <laughs> yeah. I think it's natural for most people who are trying to put something out, right? With that yep. feeling. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, oh, and just another little thing. We went to a performance last night of a group called Yamoto. And they're a taiko drumming group from Japan. And holy shit, they were fucking awesome. <sighs> oh. I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the show notes because really, yeah, some people have to check that shit out. And, and we were in this the oh, packed theater up in the balcony and we just had this perfect view and, oh, really? It was awesome. Yeah. Good for it. Live music is the best, you know. Oh, so good. Okay, tell me about the chapter. The last chapter. Okay, so Garion's view. I feel like it was a lot of conversation. So I just summarized this. Like, <laughs> I feel like it was a lot of conversations. <laughs> they're at the docks, ready, getting ready to like head out on their on their mission, and 
So people are having, there's different conversations going on. Uh, and through that, Garyan learns a lot more truths about who people really are, who he really is. And especially the conversation between Mr. Wolf and Garyan is the one we're going to probably talk about most. Yeah. And then just the, the moment with Aunt Pole having one of her classic moments. Aunt Pole where, moments. <laughs> yeah, where she puts Elena in place. Yeah. In a rather harsh way, but it's really funny. Yeah. So. That's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a quiet kind of roundup chapter. It reminded me a lot of how the first and second Lord of the Rings books end. They're very just kind of a calm, like, wrap up with people talking about what's to come. And, and then it ends. And you're like, okay. Cool. But it was satisfying. Like, I know that we're doing yeah. the ending first at the start of the conversation, but... It was a satisfying end. It was a gentle end because we're nowhere near the climax. But right, it was like right. it wrapped everything up nicely. It gave us something to look forward to and little teasers about what was coming next. So Yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation that we'll get to um, mm-hmm. after we talk about the beginning. But I really enjoyed Mr. what Mr. Wolf had to say. Mm-hmm. So we'll start at the start and they've pulled up at the, at the, at the key. And the big ships are in the water. And so Captain Greldick, again, they're, they're loading themselves onto Captain Greldick's ship. I really like the quiet moment that Hetar, like the Hetar and his parents have. There's just something really elegant and, I don't know, what's your impression of Hetar and Chohag and Queen Silla? You know, I honestly didn't even pick up on this moment. I didn't really, I mean, none of those characters really mean anything to me at this point. So I'm kind of like, okay. Oh, okay, great. They so say goodbye. That's what this conversation, <laughs> like that is really the guts of this conversation you and I are having. The points of view that we have and the things that we appreciate or miss or just don't think are important because, you know, these characters mean nothing to you. Right. You don't know them. Right. Like, like Hetar, I just literally met a couple chapters ago. Um, yep, yep. Chohag, I mean, I, I haven't really seen much of him yet. I don't know who he is really other than a king somewhere. Algar. And, He's king of the Algars. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't really take anything in okay. about that. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, then I'll leave it there. I just really, I really, I, 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 I like, I like, Heta, he's like he's one of my favorite favorite characters. Um, okay, he's, I'm sure we'll find out more later. <laughs> he's one of those ones that just grows on you, right? Well, me anyway. And then the next the next part is um, Queen Oslina, who is in shock from uh, Paul and Marcia's interaction. <laughs> and I just love um, she's sort of sitting in the sleigh, looking like she's been hit in the face with a cold fish or something. Like with a fixed smile, <laughs> rigid. Like, what the hell just happened? I don't know how to process this. <laughs> yeah, this part was really funny. Like, okay. um, so this is the other ant pole moment that we get. Yeah. Um, so she's like first just telling her you should find another hobby. Like maybe just go have some kids or something to keep you busy, <laughs> which. <laughs> 
kind of reminded me it kind of brought up to me a little bit of like how some of the other issues you've had as you've read it through this time oh no I totally like, agree with Aunt Paul in this situation I Selena, go have some kids and butt out of the sorcery <laughs> <laughs> yeah I almost took it a little bit as kind of like okay oh my god really the only option <laughs> the only option a woman has to keep busy is to go have children like she can't yeah. go to you know, but, um, but in this case, I don't think it's the only option. I think it's the best option for this particular woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just specific to her. Oh, I love that you reacted that way. You can't, I can't tell you how much I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is where I was a little bit confused okay. though, where Aunt Paul, um, where she's like, oh, one other thing. It would be best to break your connections with the bear cult. Yeah. Um, so, and then she kind of panics and, and, and asks if Anig knows. And so I'm not entirely sure, like, what is so serious about this. Okay. So you remember they were mentioned in one of the earlier episodes, um, shuffling along when they first got to Valalorn. There was a group of them. And there was a little conversation um, about reuniting Aloria. And Dernick said that, well, what's so bad about that? And then Barak said, well, they'll do Barak or Silk, I can't remember, um, said the kingdoms were separated for a, for a particular reason. Uh-huh. And so the, the bear cult um, is like a, politi- is a political group who, are try- who try to gain power every now and then. And it's, we don't read, I mean, I don't think you're supposed to know much about them yet. Like your confusion is exactly how I felt the first time I read. I'm like, I have, I just don't know why they're important at all. Right. But um, what's clear here is that they're not a great group to be connected with. And King Arneg wouldn't like it if he know, knew that she was connected with them. So I guess they're kind of not an enemy of the state, but what they want is not what exists currently in the kingdoms. And so were they to get into power, things would be different. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and I mean, it's so, further in the chapter. And so, but we may as well talk about it here. Oh no, we'll just talk about the chapters that the chapter as it unfolds. And so, and Aunt Paul's comment about Arne, did you like that? Which, which one? And Selena says, oh, Does Arne know? The fact that she says he's much cleverer than he looks. Yeah, Aunt Paul's like, Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's much cleverer than he looks. And so the fact that she then says, Here, you're walking very close to the edge of treason. You ought to have a few babies. I'll keep give you something useful to do. So that's why I say they're not exactly an enemy of the state, but they're not friends of the state. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then that's so, it. Like, thanks for everything. See you later. <laughs> right. And then so Silk overhears all of this. Yes. And then get, Garion starts asking about it. But then yeah. Silk responds to Garion's, like, you know, you know, what explains, what does this explain, you know, and, and Silk says, the high priest of Balar has been dabbling in Cherik politics. 
Yes. So there's a so, little bit of the explanation that I was giving here. So the high priest is who? The high priest of Belar. We didn't meet him specifically, but he would have been the leader of the group that was shuffling along outside the temple of Belar. Okay. So Silk was able to come to this conclusion just by knowing that Islaino was involved? Um, no, but because his, he is a spy and, ha and he's a very political creature, he has a lot of information that passes through his hands. And mm. so it's obviously the fact that the bear cult has been politically active in Cherik and it, the fact he says it's obviously gone a bit further than, you know, I thought it was into the heart of the palace. You know, yeah. because the queen has obviously been much more involved than anybody realised. Yeah, but that makes sense. But okay. I mean, she's not political. The whole reason she's there is because she's obsessed with the idea of magic and the cult. You know, as you can tell, probably from the use of the high priest title, is a is a sort of is a religious cult, and so some of their ceremonies and things look a bit mysterious. And you know, she's pretty bloody gullible, and so it probably looks like magic to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I misunderstood Silk's comment about the high priest. Like, I didn't realize he was saying that from information he'd previously received. Like, I thought he suddenly came to that conclusion based on what he'd heard Aunt Paul say. So I was like, okay. how does that mean? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that because I know the characters so well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so then, you know, um, Silk decides they need to go talk to Porin about this mm. yeah well he he sort of looks over um he says let's go talk to my uncle or something but Rodar's talking with the other kings and Mr Wolf so he goes to talk to to Porin but the way it's written is he it's he it's not his first choice did you notice that yeah the fact that he has to draw a deep breath first sort of brace yeah. himself for the um conversation what do you make of that yeah. i mean it, it could be either that he's nervous to speak to her because he's in love with her or it could be that i think it, it could be tied to the fact that he knows they're gonna have to say goodbye oh i hadn't ever thought of that oh that's just oh because their goodbye was a little bit my heart just I mean, broke a little bit for okay <laughs> He, he tries to we'll get to it. He brushes it off, but it seems like the goodbye is hard on both of them. Oh. But he's just one of those men, those damn frustrating men that will not show emotion for anything. <laughs> so he would rather cut it cold <clears throat> and leave it at that than actually let her know that he'll miss her too. Because oh. yeah. she's quite open about the fact that she'll miss him. Yeah. So she's obviously, she obviously loves him. Yeah. But I don't think she's yes. in love with him. Yeah. Because I earlier mean, in the text, he makes the comment that his uncle is besotted with his wife and she, this young thing is ridiculously in love with him back and they just love each other to bits. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah, because she first tries to brush it off at the fact that the king is going to miss him. Yeah, true. You know, and then she adds later, like, well, I, I'm going to miss you too, or I miss you too. Yeah. So. But, um, 
And is this the first time that we hear the name Keldar? Oh no, Prince Keldar. That's but that's a known thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So Prince Keldar is Silk, and then so so Silk tells her about the bear cult and Queen Aslina, mm-hmm. and um, um, sort of a little exchange. Prime sisters Arneg know, and Silk's like, well, it's hard to say, but he probably wouldn't let on if he did. And Gary and, and I heard Pogara tell her to stop it. <laughs> it's like talking to a naughty, naughty toddler or something. Stop it. Um, and she's like, and Porin's hopes that it'll end because if it went too far, Arneg would have to take steps and that would be tragic because after seeing what they did to Javik for treason, we know what happens when someone commits treason. Yeah, <clears throat> we don't want to see her head cut off. You know? Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah. She's just annoying, but... <laughs> yeah, she's, she's not still, that annoying. She's just she a doesn't bit... deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it looks like, well, poor Gara is quite firm, but just tell my uncle. And and then you 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 take the lead, darling. Do you want to talk about... Um, this? We sort of get a bit of a picture about the culture of Drasnia, you know, all the spying that goes on. Yeah, this was another moment that was a little over my head. So it was like... Okay, well, you tell me what you picked up and what you're confused about. So the cult, it seems that the the cult extends into other places, right? So he says it's in Bakdor and Kotu. Uh-huh. They're, they're uh, Drasnian cities. Okay. So remember, the, the bear cult wants to reunite Aloria and the Alorn kingdoms are Cherik and Drasnia and Sundaria and Algar, Al- Algaria and Riva and Tolnidra. So they are all, I'm not sure that Tolnidra is actually, I'm not sure about that, but you know, so the bear cup has a presence in all of these kingdoms because they were Aloria before Aloria was separated into the kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so Queen Pora mentions that she's already got some people planted in the bear cult. Mm-hmm. So she's going to talk with them as soon as she goes back home. And, and, and so, yeah, he seems a little bit surprised like that, like, Oh, you're already that far ahead, huh? You oh, know? did you like, take it like a serious surprise? I took it as like teasing. I guess it's as a bantering tone, mm. but to me, I don't hear it as bantering in my head. Okay, okay. <laughs> and then it's yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, keep going. No, I was just, just going to say, I just saw that it said he tells her that in a bantering tone, so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's as far as I got with it. I don't know what else. Is there more meaning to this conversation? Oh, not really. It's just, it's just letting us in on, on the Drasnian people. I think it's a little bit of an insight. And so, and Porin, I think it shows her as a bit more of a force than some of the other queens, especially yeah. since we've just had an encounter with Aslina, who's a complete idiot sometimes, and really right. gullible and really don't put her in charge of anything. But Porin is very um, intelligent and switched on and clever. And I think she's a bit of a force because it indicates that she takes care of the spying in the kingdom so that it frees up her husband, King Rodar, to take care of the rest of the world, basically. But her little domain is like 
um, the spying, yeah. you know, handling the information that comes in and filtering that, you know, what she thinks is important to um, King Rhoda. And Silk, like, Silk's like, does King Rhoda, does Rhoda know what you're up to? And she's like, yes, he gave me my first dozen spies himself as a wedding present. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then the fact that he still then says how typically Dresnian kind of indicates that this is their main business information, the kingdom. Right. Right. And then this is where we move into them saying goodbye to each other, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It switches up from from flippant to quite serious and but Silk Silk tries to keep it flippant, but he really doesn't succeed, I think. <laughs> yeah I just I felt like if I well I mean she, she doesn't feel the same way for him as far as we know so I guess it wouldn't have affected her anyways maybe he knows that but after they kind of go back and forth about like well when are you coming back home um, and he talks about you know Belgrath really needs me right now the stuff we're doing is really important Mm-hmm. And then that's when she first says that, well, the king will mi- the king misses you. And then she shifts it to, well, I miss you too. And mm-hmm. it's right after that where he's like, oh, you poor, lonely little queen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to me, I was kind of like, that's, that's a little snarky. Like, if that was me, I probably would have just walked away from him <laughs> and had hard feelings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah we just came last week. <laughs> Yeah, but she doesn't. She's just kind of like, "You're impossible," you know. Mm. And so, yeah, that's that's their goodbye, mm-hmm. you know. Yep, that's that. And then uh, we move on to Hetar again, and he sort of gives his mum and dad a hug and leaps into the de- onto the deck of a small ship. That's not so. He's he's setting out alone to go somewhere else. Right. And he sort of calls out to Belgrath and says, I'll meet you in a couple of weeks in Vowakun, in the ruins. So I think the thing was Hetar was going to get horses for them so they all had really good horses and he was going to meet yeah. them. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, and so that's fine. And it sort of gives you a little bit more of a hint about what he's like as a character, as a person. You know, he sort of waves once, turns and faces the ocean and away they sail with this scalp lock flowing in the wind <laughs> i do like this i do like the um the like the the horse rep- the horse symbology you know like of the the best just this one scalp lock like a horse's tail almost and no other hair yeah i missed that <laughs> but that is good imagery yeah yeah so, so we move into the um goodbye between Meryl and Beric, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you want to take the lead, my darling? Well, I mean, it's pretty much the same we always see between the two of them. Um, she's very, like, cold towards him, and he seems like he... He seems a little bit, like, sad that she doesn't even want to give him a hug. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He's like, you know, are you are just going to keep going like this or what? Yeah. Actually, no, it's her that says, well, my Lord embrace me before he leaves. And he says, what's the point? Yeah, but, um, I mean, God, I, I see her standing there stiff as a board, like going, I don't yeah. want you to touch me, so I'm just going to say this mean thing. Yeah. It just feels mean. 
Like, and I know that I've said all the stuff and whatever, but there comes a point at which we forgive and move on or we wither and die inside. Right. Right. Because it's when the children come up that. Yeah. She really uses the children as a weapon to hurt him. And that's not okay. Yeah. She makes it. Well, it's the children and then the lands, the lands that they own. And he, he tries to say, but they're yours too. Yeah. You know, like she's, she's talking to him like, uh, what do you need me to do to like properly care for all of your things and stuff? And he's kind of like, it's your things too. Like, yeah. like he, he separating wants, it. He wants to be a partnership. He wants them to be a couple. He wants them to be close. And she refuses. Yeah. In every way that she can. Yeah. So that was a little sad, but. Yeah, it is a sad, like you do get that real sense, don't you? Yeah, because then he just walks below the boat yeah it gets yeah. up on the deck and goes straight below and this is where we get another like ant pull moment <laughs> okay, go for but it i don't know i want to know what she's laughing at but she <laughs> she looks as, like she's gonna say something to uh meryl like i'm assuming she's overheard this interaction between them but then instead she just starts laughing at meryl mm-hmm. and so like Meryl's kind of confused. Like, are you going to let me in on what the joke is, you know? And, and Polgara says, or cause her word is, might I be permitted to share it? That's what she asks Aunt Paul. And Aunt Paul says, oh, you'll share it Meryl, but I wouldn't want to spoil it for you by telling you too soon. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know what she's laughing at, but I don't know if she looked at her and something looked funny or if she got like an insight about her. Yeah, I don't know. Sorceress. I know. So I really want to know what she's laughing at. Well, I um, guess we'll find out later. Yeah. Later. I hope I remember. Oh, when they bring remember. it up again. You'll remember. Okay. So now we get into like the juicy part of the chapter. Because everybody said they're saying their goodbyes, and Mr. Wolf and Gary and are on the on the ship. Mm-hmm. Belgara says to King Arnig, "Oh, sorry. I hope nobody heard that burp." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Belgara calls out to King Arnig, "Don't forget about the minstrels." Did you understand what that meant? No. Okay, so I think it was talked about earlier about um, at a certain point I want people to start telling the old stories so that they have freedom to talk about the thief and the thing he stole because he won't hear them specifically. So that's what the minstrel is all about. And then he gets on the ship and Garion just follows him on an impulse because he's got questions and he needs answers. (laughs) Yeah, Um, very directly. How did Aunt Paul do that that to old Marchie's eyes like so yeah and it's out. a kind of a shift from the from what has been the narrative it's always been Garion feeling uncertain not knowing if he can ask anything but there's none of that here I don't feel any of that here it's just so blatant now there there's no mistake there can be no mistake that there was something that happened mm-hmm. and he just yeah just out asks Mr Wolf and so you talk about it so I don't give anything away <laughs> Well, I was surprised just how easily Mr. Wolf answers him. Because he literally says, how did Aunt Paul do that? And Mr. Wolf says, the will and the word. Um, It's not really difficult to do that. 
And so Garion's a little confused, and Mr. Wolf is, says, all it is is that you will, you're willing something to happen. It's all about how much will you have. If you really, really want it to happen, it'll happen, you know. And so Garion's a little bit like that's all well, there is. It's so. Not, so you have the will, and then you speak the word. So it's the will and the word. Right. But later, like this next line down, Mr. Wolf emphasizes it's really the will. Yes. You know, like you don't have to speak the word. You oh, can't, that's true. That's true. You, yeah, you really just need the will. Like it says here, it's the will that's important, not the word. The word's just a channel for the will. <laughs> can be a little confusing. Yeah. I love how Garen asks, is, it, is the word a magic word? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there aren't any magic words. Yeah. Is what Mr. Wolf says. So yeah, we learned that like really all you need to be able to do what Mr. Wolf and Aunt Paul do is to have the will to make it happen. Like really the power of the mind type thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the ease with which Mr. Wolf answers is the fact that he realizes that it's time. I suppose so. He would know. I mean, we learned <laughs> I how. He would. <laughs> how he's kind of got that wise view of like the long game, yep. you know? Yep. And Gary um, wants to know if he could do it too. <clears throat> yeah. And Wolf's like, well, I don't know, Gary, but I wasn't much older than you when I first did it. Um, and he sort of makes the comment that he'd been living with Aldur for a few years and he supposed that might probably made a difference because Aldur is a god. And, right, uh, right. The example he gave with the rock. Yeah, yeah. Garion's like, what happened, you know? <laughs> he's like, he's, so he's like, I just finally, I got angry enough and I told it to move and it moved. Yeah, so <laughs> his master wanted him to move a rock and it was a very heavy rock. <laughs> Yeah. And um, so after many failed tries. Yes. And he got angry. He got angry. He to move. So it's interesting that there's an emotional hook in there. Right. Amplified the will. Yes. You have to feel like you can't just pretend because yeah. like they say, mm -hmm. whatever the force is, the universe or in this book, whatever the force may be, can actually pick it up. Absolutely. It has to actually know. You're pure. You can't, you can't take that shit. Right. And um, so that was a cool little backstory there. Yeah. And, and that's all. Garen's like, yeah. that's all? Yep, that's all. I just told it to move and it moved. <laughs> um, so he says he doesn't know. He said men have changed a lot since then. Maybe it's not possible anymore to, to do what we do. But I don't know. Yeah, and I liked how he gets into the explanation of like how how most people just use devices or movements or words or whatever it is. You know, he says those are for tricks, tricksters and charlatans. Mm -hmm. You know, to put on a show, but none of yeah. it's really actually needed. Yeah. And then, like, I really like his comments about how Aunt Paul always seems <laughs> to want to gesture <laughs> when she's <laughs> making something happen. Like, I've been trying to break her of that for years. Like, just not just not years, happening. hundreds of years. Yeah, hundreds of years. <laughs> and, then, and then we get into Gary as like, he blinks hundreds of years. Oh, and then he sort of 
feels all that it gets really empty and and sad and feels a bit sick because and then he says then she really isn't my aunt is she yeah so he has the doubt that she can't be because she's so old that seems impossible yeah and then mr wolf is tells him you're too fond of that word impossible (laughs) they do have that conversation fairly consistently don't they yeah so he he kind of like enforces this idea that anything is possible um but garyan can't connect the dots of how can she be his aunt right mm-hmm. now do you want me to do so, this bit because it's a bit yeah go ahead um so you know and then he explains that the relationship is a little bit more complicated than that but strict ultimately like she is the sister of his ultimate grandmother so Garion's ultimate grandmother, Aunt Pol, is her sister. So, and then Garion feels a bit hopeful. So she's my great aunt. <laughs> and Will's like, yeah. I probably wouldn't say that to her, but, <laughs> you know, with lots of different great, 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 great in there. But yes, you are of the same bloodline, you are related. Right. And then he, Garion sort of explains that he'd been afraid for a while now that she really wasn't his aunt at all and they weren't connected at all and he just says out, he says straight out that he had been afraid of it and Mr Wolf's like, well, why were you afraid? And asks him to explain, which I think is um, really lovely kind of but, well, it's a bonding you know um, between them yeah. But it also gives Garion a chance to just let that out. And it's a really kind of healing, like just a little healing moment where he doesn't need to worry about that anymore. And so it, it helps him talk about it, you know. Yeah. That was nice. And and then he he, he lets Mr. Wolf know, like, I'm really glad you told me that because now yeah. I can, you know, kind of be at peace again a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and so and and this little bit, I loved this part, the connection that he made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's he wants to ask another question. He's like, "So Aunt Paul is really my aunt," and he says, "Yes," and she's your daughter. <laughs> um, he's like, "I have to admit that she is." <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's like, "Wouldn't that make you sort of my grandfather?" Yeah, and they both have like this. Wolf's like, oh my god, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, kind of strange situation. And then he just immediately starts calling him grandfather, like it's natural. Well, I think I like, get the feeling that he sort of tests it. Like, well, it says here he sort of tests the word out. Garion's eyes suddenly filled with tears, and he impulsively embraced the old man, grandfather. He said, trying yeah. the word out, and even Wolf was like a bit choked up. Hmm. Yeah, but then, like, going on through the rest of this chapter, anytime he refers to him, he's calling him grandfather. Yes. Like, it's just not now just what he's going to call him. Yeah. I, I, well, I, well I, I can't remember if it's all the time, but I really like that. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, it was. So then so, we get to go after their bonding moment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to get some truth about his, Garion's own background. Yeah, wow. so... Garen asks about what happened to his mum and dad, how they died, how they really died. And Wolf says there was a fire and sort of question, you know, challenges Garen, do you really want to know? It's not very nice. It's very painful. And she's, and he's like, yeah, I really want to know. I have to know. This is really important. 
and so Garion um, sits down and Wolf tells him about the fact that his family is very old and as lots of very old families do, you, your family has enemies. Because you had enemies, people who tend to hate us tend to want to do bad things to us. And so we, your aunt and I decided a long time ago that we would protect your family. And then Garion has a little blip, you know, you aren't telling me everything. And I just love this. I'm, I'm going to read this the way it is because it's so beautiful. No, said Wolf blandly, I'm not. I'm telling you as much as it's safe for you to know right now. If you knew certain things, you'd act differently and people would notice that. It's safer for you to remain ordinary for a while longer. You mean ignorant, Garion accused. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. ignorant then. Do you want to hear the story or do you want to argue? <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Um, and so, you know, it just goes on that the, his aunt and... Um, his aunt and grandfather hid the whole family all the way down the line to Garion for hundreds of years. They've been doing it. And they've lived all over the place, Tolnidra, Reba, Cherik and Drasnia, all kinds of places. And they were just ordinary family that no one would look at twice. And then, um, you know, when Garion was born, the enemy that had been looking for them, that they'd been hiding the family from, found them. And then Garion sort of challenges that hundreds of years he's been looking for me. That means he's a sorcerer too, doesn't it? And Wolf's like, yeah, well, he has tendencies <laughs> in that direction mm-hmm. or something. You really get the feeling that Wolf doesn't like this dude. Yeah. And anyway, so uh, the enemy catches up with them. Ildera and Garan are Garion's parents' names. And Ildera is um, the second daughter of an Algar clan chief. So Hetar is an Algar. So Garion's mum is an Algar. And his dad's called Garan. And that's as much as we know about them. And Garan was a stone mason, a stone cutter. And they lived in a little stone house. And Wolf was on his way to visit them. And he caught up with them as the enemy had set fire to the house. And Garion um, didn't understand that. And Wolf said, yeah, well, you can make anything burn if you make the fire hot enough. So probably not a natural fire, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, some kind of magic. Yeah, and so they couldn't get out. He sealed all the stones and set fire to the house so they couldn't get out. And then Ildera knocked one of the stones free and you, would, you were just a baby, Garion, so she pushed you through. And, of course, that's what your enemy was waiting for and he picked you up and would have fled with you, but I arrived just in time. And so to save himself, he threw you at me. And, of course, I had to catch you, and so he got away because Garion wanted to know, did you kill him, he demanded fiercely. But this is interesting. Did you want to talk about what Wolf says now about the killing? Yeah. Yeah, his comment about... He tries not to kill people too much because it seems to disrupt like the natural course of things. Mm. So I'm not sure exactly how, I mean, obviously you're kind of stepping in where you shouldn't be when you take somebody's life, but how in this world specifically does it affect like the natural rhythm of things? How maybe how specifically has Mr. Wolf noticed that it causes imbalance? Like, Mm. specifically for him within himself or is it also like within the world Mm. as a whole that's an interesting question and probably one that we'll 
be explored more fully as the stories go on. Right. Um, so he explains that, you know, he had some other ideas uh, for him that didn't get to happen because he got away. Mm. But that they're still looking for him and they haven't been able to find him. And Garion's glad about that um, because when he gets older, he's going to kill him. Yeah. Pretty bold words there. Yeah, and so Wolf sort of just gently challenges that. It feels really gentle, you know. That could be dangerous. Are you sure about that? But Garion's young blood is boiling and demands to know the name. And Wolf's like, well... I think that might be better if you don't know that name for a while. Don't want you jumping into anything before you're ready. And but Garion sort of asks for an assurance that Wolf will tell him when the time comes. It's because it's very important. And Wolf said, "Yes, I can see it's very important, and I will." But it doesn't matter if I don't, because if I don't, your aunt will anyway. She feels pretty much the way you do. <laughs> you know, Garion's like, "Well, don't you feel the same way?" And Wolf, I'm much older. I see things a bit differently. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which ties in then to that, you know, interrupting the natural flow of things by not killing people um, when he doesn't have to. Right. Yeah, this is the one where he says, I try to take the long view of things. Yeah. And then he's, <laughs> I suppose that's the only view I could take under the circumstances. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, hey. I have been a long, around for so long. But I really like that difference in yeah. them. You know, yeah. I, um, how much wiser even he is I from think, Paul versus Aunt Paul. Yeah, even he though still she has like a lot of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. emotions still let, lets her emotions get in the way. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he, he must be very old indeed. So, oh, I don't want to keep going because we're almost at the end. They just have a, a quick little conversation about what it's like to live forever. He's like, I haven't actually lived forever, Garion. <laughs> oh, you know what um, I mean, though, Garion says. Yeah. And he's like, well, the quality of life isn't that much different, you know. It just it goes longer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an interesting perspective. Like, when you think about, like, life in general, like, you could have this super long, long life, hundreds of years in one body, right? Yeah. Or your energy just moves from body to body over hundreds of years. And, you know, and I always say everything in its time and everything happens perfectly the way that it should. And mm-hmm. Wolf sort of says here, we live as long as we need to. I've just had to do yeah. something that takes a really long time to do. Yeah. That reminds me too of Gandalf, like how he kind of comments the same thing when he comes back as Gandalf the White. Yeah. Um, like every every day was a lifetime of age or something that he was gone. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I just remember he said something along the lines of like, my work here wasn't done. That's why I've been brought back. Ah, true. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, just another kind of parallel between these two guys. They're similar. I love all the, I mean, I guess that's why we love fantasy stories so much, the good ones, because they contain these archetypes that we're drawn to that help us understand all of this stuff about ourselves. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, and they, and they end the chapter with Gary and saying, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to help you much with this very important thing that you're all doing. 
<laughs> sort of, you know, pulls, puts his arm around his shoulder and said, you might be surprised before the end. <laughs> yeah. Meaning, like, you will yeah. be able to use the will and the word yourself. Well, because at the end of the chapter then, it says, here ends book one of the Belgariad. Book two, Queen of Sorcery, will reveal Garion's own dangerous powers of sorcery and more on his heritage which underlies their quest. And that's where it all ends. Yeah. Yeah, I like the little preview. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's enough. A- Just enough to like, oh, I want the next book. Yeah. I agree. Okay. We've been Thankfully, talking- I don't have to wait. I know. Oh, you don't have- No, exactly. I had to wait a year. I know. Sorry. I'm just going to reach for my book. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I know that I don't have to wait in between. So that yeah. makes it really awesome. <laughs> so my magic for this chapter is the will in the word. Because it's the first time it's been mentioned and it's kind of a big deal. So, yeah. Well, I agreed with you on that. So, we're kind of on the same level there. Yeah. I don't think there's much to say. Well, I was going to be kind and choose the fact that the fire burns so hot that it set the stones on fire and that must have been magic. But (laughs) I wanted the will and the word. (laughs) It's okay. We can have the same one sometimes. We can. There's no rules saying that we can't. No, that's right. And so my personal insight, my real life relating for this chapter, is the different perspectives of Wolf and Aunt Paul when it comes to the vengeance thing. I sometimes, I mean, I, I feel like I've mellowed. I, I've written, I wrote down here, I've mellowed in my old age. Not that I'm old, but the me that I am now compared to the me that I was like 20 years ago, I seriously mellowed. Like I still react and I still am in, in, you know, like I'm thoughtless occasionally and I still react like emotionally like Aunt Paul would, but not as much as I used to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel that. I'm the same way. I get it completely. Mine is kind of similar because I chose to like the differences in Wolf's and Polgaro's perspectives. Mm -hmm. But what it reminded me of is at the end when he's, uh, Mr. Wolf starts talking about the will and the word explaining that how he's kind of teaching Gary and opening his eyes to this new idea of sorcery is not really sorcery just people like to call it that because they don't understand it Mm -hmm. it actually reminded me a lot like the will and the word reminds me so much of all the stuff I've been like why I've been so peaceful because in my own life I've kind of embraced this will and word of what I've learned from a teacher I discovered through his book so Mm -hmm. It just really resonated with me. Yeah. This stuff, like we say it's fantasy, but it's not fantasy for me. I live this stuff. Yeah, I agree. I love it. Cool. Okay. So, so prophecy, prophecy speaks. Yeah. first because I'm going to work out an intention for myself. Okay. So I am, I would like a bit of guidance. I'm going to just um, start developing some materials for this course that I'm going to do. 
and I said so my, my the intention I'm holding is for direction the best thing I can do the best way I can approach developing the materials for the course okay and the book you're using is the book I'm using is the Reiki source book by Bronwyn and Franz Stein okay a monk asked Umon what is the teaching of the Buddha's lifetime Umon said Preaching facing oneness. Oneness is absolute truth. To face oneness means to face everything, yourself, the world, every being and everything in its absolute truth. Hmm. I'll just read the next paragraph because I think I feel like I need a bit of context. The energy invoked with this mantra and symbol, they're talking about honshization in uh, a Reiki symbol. Mm -hmm. A state of mind is created with this mantra and kanji. It is a state of oneness with all things. Therefore, it is not about sending distance healing, but about becoming one with the recipient to allow healing to take place. It is not possible to send anything when one already is the energy and that energy is universal. Quantum physicist David Bohm in his book, Wholeness and the Implicit Order, describes how all the fragments of our world are derived from an implicit order of unbroken wholeness. He uses the analogy of a stream to show how everything in the universe is a part of one flowing movement. Well, I can take that on a couple of levels. I'm a Reiki practitioner and so I meditate every day and I often like to use one of the mantras and the symbols as a focus for meditation so I can just contemplate on this little piece and you it's actually my favorite um, mantra to focus on in meditation because I feel like it brings everything together and helps me just get that alignment and so that would be helpful if I just maybe made a practice of just having a few minutes meditation before I begin any work developing the stuff just to make sure I'm coming from that place, that centered place, that true place, that one place and knowing that I can connect with my students and the course and everything is part of this fluid that surrounds us and weaves through everything. Yeah, that sounds about right. And like also that you know, that way, the way you're going to create, however you present the content to them can also be in that approach mm. for them, like how you, like you're not sending it to them, but how you're just presenting this, here it is. You know, oh, that's true. That is actually the way I teach. I'm like, well, here you go. Yeah. Now what you do with it. Yeah. Oh, you already, thank you. That's nice. You already have it all there. You know, yes. you just got to put it in place. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, babe. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I chose for my intention. So going back to these angel cards, like I don't use them that often. Mm -hmm. But there's times where I just feel this urge to be like, okay, I just want to pull one and say, what is for my highest good right now? Mm -hmm. And I pulled a card when I, when I said that, that was about career transition. 
And I was a little confused by that because I feel like I'm clearly on my path as an author now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that the children's stuff has been coming up. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of set the card aside. And then a few days later, I forget what what I had asked, but I pulled the exact same card. So now I'm kind of like, <laughs> okay, this career is- transition. <laughs> I don't know what is the career transition. Like I am good in my writing. I want to be an author. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I just want clarity on that. Idea. Okay. What book are you using? Um, okay. <laughs> As in my turn to really nerd out because Game of Thrones is back on. Like oh, I've been seeing all the memes on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I was having a heart attack for the whole first episode because so much happened. And this is like, just like Harry Potter, like this is my thing and Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones is what gets me going. Like Okay. So I have to I have to use the first book in the series this week just okay. to honor that. Um so yeah, my intention, let's see. Flip. Close my eyes. <laughs> I'm excited to read this. It's been a long time since I've opened this. All right. The Queen seemed amused by that. Save your pity for yourself, Lord Stark. I want none of it. You know what I must do, Lord Stark said. Must. She put her hand on his good leg just above the knee. A true man does what he will, not what he must. Her fingers brushed lightly against his thigh in the gentlest of promises. The realm needs a strong hand. Joff will not come of age for years. No one wants war again, least of all me. Her hand touched his face and his hair. If friends can turn to enemies, enemies can become friends. Your wife is a thousand leagues away and my brother has fled. Be kind to me, Ned. I swear to you, shall never regret it. Did you make the same offer to John Aaron? She slapped him. I shall wear... That as a badge of honor, Ned said dryly. Okay. I don't know if I should keep reading. Well, this is like a conversation between Cersei and Ned Stark before he, I won't spoil anything, but Mm -hmm. like Ned Stark is probably, well, not the only, but he was the most honorable character in this whole series. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, there may be one or two others, but everybody else has this like weird, like manipulative side to them. And so the, and Cersei is the, the complete opposite on the other end of the spectrum from him. She's the most evil, manipulative bitch. Yeah. And that's the thing. And the fact that she's trying to seduce him in this scene, like the, the part where it says a true man does what he will, not what he must, is the only part that really stood out to me. Can I but, tell you what I'm thinking? Yeah, go ahead. So I see two po- two poles and you in the center doing what you will. Okay. You know, you've got these two characters who are completely opposite, who would mm-hmm. do this or do that. This is right or that is right. And they're both trying to seduce you from the center to one way or the other. But you are in the center and a good man does what he will. And right. a good woman, that's you. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that this card is telling you this thing. Mm-hmm. It's okay. The, the purpose of divinatory tools is to get you to contemplate. It's to prick your, it's, it's to sort of spark something in you so that you think more deeply about a thing. 
it's not for fortune telling. It's not a fortune telling device. It's a way of getting you to open up and think more deeply about something. And often they will challenge you. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure this is what you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and the line with the, like a man does what he will, not what he must, I think is what stood out to me too. And that, yeah, you're going to do what you will do. Like you are an author and that's what you will do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not what you must, like in the times before I thought I must do mm-hmm. was all this that's other stuff. Like you were just, you, that's, that's totally what you've have been through. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. And two, yeah, I think that the transition only is coming from just the simple shift. Like, it's not going to mean that I'm just stopping an author. It's just kind of a little shift in my role as an author because now I really want to involve children. And I have a whole children's series that I cannot wait to start writing. Like, so, a middle on, grade I don't series. understand why you're challenging this shift in career then because that's a shift. I guess I just I just I take things to extremes like I'm like okay doesn't mean you're gonna go and study to be a neurosurgeon (laughs) I know (laughs) I knew knew that I knew that like I will never yeah that makes sense yeah oh that makes total sense then that's so ironic how is it that Cersei of all characters in this story is the one that brought me the insight (laughs) I don't know sorry about that okay okay i think she's got a secret side to her oh well okay so prediction for the next chapter i decided that i get a freebie this week like i don't need to make a prediction because i'm not going to predict the whole next book no so no prediction this week but let's check last week uh-huh. I don't think I was close at all. I said something about murder. Yeah, you were like murder and betrayal. Okay. Again, I am a Game of Thrones fan. Yes, you are. <laughs> this is a much um, gentler and more romantic story. Yes, it is. That's for sure. So this is the last show in our first season. Yay. So- that's our excuse for why it's extra long too. <laughs> yes, so we got, we don't want it to end. But uh, season two is coming your way. You will not even notice that we've been gone, my darlings. Thank you so much for staying with us for a whole twenty-one episodes. We really appreciate you being here with us. Oh uh, yeah, it's been so much fun. I haven't thought of any hashtags. The will and the way. The will I mean, and the way. The whale on the word. The whale on the word. So you fixed that up because that's a mistake. The whale on the word. Great. So everyone, please come and visit us on social media. I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can head over to Belgaria and beyond at goddesskindle.com where you will find out everything about us, everything about the show and all the things you need to click on. You can find us at Belgaria and beyond on Facebook and Instagram Come onto Facebook. That's where we like to hang out. Use the hashtag the will and the word to talk about this episode and hook up with us and start some conversations and we can all nerd out together. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for all that 
interaction with the community. And also, you can help us out by leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen, um, because that way, it's just spreading the love. More people can access us if we're a little bit yeah. higher up in the search, you know? You know, and maybe if you're in if you're in some groups on Facebook that are into this kind of thing, share a link to our Facebook page. That would be so cool. Yeah, super awesome. Yeah. So but, yeah, we'll, we'll be back soon with the next book. I can't wait to get yeah. started. Queen of Sorcery coming your way very soon. Okay, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. I just I'm like a bit emotional. <laughs> oh. The whole book. <laughs> I know. That was a it was a really like sweet moment last night when I finished. Yeah. I think I'll get more attached as we go on. Oh you totally will. You totally will. Really. Like this... right now. Right now I really am kind of feeling silk and Mr. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody else is just still kind of there for me. Yep. 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 Um, but this will and the word stuff has me really intrigued. And the other thing I was thinking, though, so we're going to keep our colors, these colors, even though the book colors changing, or are we changing colors? No, no, I mean, I'm thinking we might change colors. Each book? Yeah, what do you think? I don't know. I just thought of that. That's such a good thought. Oh, I'm going to stop the recording. We need to.